The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. So at the break, uh, I actually got some of that uh, Colombian coffee. I Columbia, have a, Colombian. Colombian coffee. That's I have right. half a cup here. It's got me all juiced up because I'm sitting up straight and squeezing it's, my buns. That's right. And, we, what's and, good and if that? you don't know what I'm just talking about, you need to go back to the previous hour and listen. That's right. And not only are you squeezing your buns, I noticed that our guest, <laughs> <laughs> Chief Kevin Halloran from the Webster, for the Rock Hill, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's okay. Kevin, it's okay. The Rock Hill Fire Department, he is even squeezing his buns now. That's right. And I'm sitting up straight. See? Kevin, Kevin uh, is, is chief at Rock Hill, as Ellie was saying. Kevin, welcome to Intune. We're glad to have you here. Glad to be here. And we wanted to have you in to talk about a couple different things. You were very gracious to help uh, uh, the radio station on the broadcast of the Rock Hill Parade, and we thank you very much for your assistance with that. Uh, the, the other things, this is Fire Prevention Month, and we're coming to the end of Fire Prevention Week, and I know the schools have done a lot of uh, activities related to that. They always do that. But you also are... Um, not you personally, but the fire department's in a new house and want to kind of talk about that a little bit. So uh, let, let's kind of kick this off. Tell us, uh, you know, you're, you're closing in on your 27th year uh, being at the Rock Hill Fire Department. Tell us a little bit about Kevin. Okay, well, I grew up in North County. Um, my father is a retired battalion chief from the city of Ferguson. So I grew up in a firehouse, basically, and I always knew it was what I wanted to do. Uh, my dad was from North St. Louis, grew up in Baden. And uh, on Broadway, there's a fire station, the 33s, still in operation. And so in the wintertime, you could look right in their doors from their house when the trees, all the leaves were off. So I, when I'd go there in the summertime, I'd spend a lot of summers with my grandparents. I'd go to that firehouse, and they all knew my dad, so it was always great. You know, they always were, they would never yell at me for climbing on the trucks. And Did you jump on the pole, though, and slide down the pole? No, they never let me do that. Oh, man. No. I always think that's that would be like a fun thing to do. It is fun. It is, but you know what? Yeah, Arnold, I think you ought to go, and we could do a Facebook Live of you doing that with the new Rock Hill. I don't think they have a pole. Yeah, they do. do. Oh, you do? We do. Oh, Oh, my gosh, it wouldn't be a firehouse if it didn't have the pole. My dad was a PE teacher. We used to climb poles and ropes all the time. So that's kind of one of the things, like, for myself, I'm very traditionalist with the fire service, and that was one of the things we we really wanted to bring back was the pole. And... um, with the way the station's designed, the bunk rooms are on the same level as the engine. So when they get up in the middle of the night and run for a call, they're not sliding a pole. Aww. So they slide the pole during the day. Okay. So okay. anytime they're there during the day, they slide the pole. Okay. So it's safer, which makes everyone happy. And yeah. we still have a pole. Do they ever have like a, a lift that goes up the pole or anything like no. that? No. That not. would be that would be <laughs> a spring loaded. Anti fire department. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe the police does that. No. The poli- yeah, the police might. Yeah. Oh, wait, oh, wait, <laughs> might be better I, for them. I better ask you this right now. Did the police officers return your generator? 
<laughs> Everybody knows what no. we're doing. No. Oh my gosh, you're kidding. I went and got it today. Okay, good for you. No. Now, Arnold, you have to get in on this. See, when we, we covered the Rock Hill Fire, um, the Rock Hill Parade last week, right? Right. They, Kevin volunteered the, uh, the generator. generator. Right. And we took it across the street. And then at the end of the parade, we went to return it, Sean and I did. And there was nobody in the fire department because they were all up at Hudson Elementary School you know, hobnobbing with the with the neighbors and eating up all the food. So we had this generator that now we couldn't return. And we want we didn't want to just leave it out there because we were afraid that somebody would drive along and go, right. ooh, that looks like mine. And the right. next thing you know, we're responsible so for it. So you left it with the police department. No, it didn't quite happen that way. We <laughs> we left it at the doorway of the fire station. And then I went up to Hudson and I happened to see the police chief first and some fire and I happened to mention it to him. And he says, oh, don't worry, I'll send some guys over there to get it. Then by the time I got over here to Chief Kevin and mentioned it, he was like, uh, you let the police department get it? <laughs> hey, add that like, to their inventory. The police department, for Christ's sake. <laughs> hey, add that to their inventory. Right. They've, you know, they could have taken the stickers off, put new stickers on it, <laughs> changed the color of it. It's ours. What are yeah. you talking about? And, and I didn't realize that there would have been a problem. Until no, there looked, was no problem. He looked right at me and was like, you didn't tell the police to go get it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Okay. So, Kevin, what do you, um, and I know you've been talking to the kids at school about fire prevention, but we're we're talking to a lot of listeners. Uh, they could be families. They could be people who are retired. Uh, could be people listening in their business. So there are some sure. different kinds of fire protection needs. You know, I have a list of things like home fires, escape planning, smoke alarms, cooking, heating, home fire sprinklers. Let's let's go through a couple things. Like if you were uh, some key elements that you were going to tell somebody about fire prevention, what would you tell them? Sure. One of the first things is to make sure their furnace area is clear. Especially now. Especially now. The furnaces are going to be kicking on this weekend. So you want to make sure those are clear. If people actually use their wood-burning fireplaces, some people don't. Uh, but if they do, on a regular basis, they need to have them cleaned and inspected by a chimney sweep. Otherwise, you get the visit from us later in the winter. and From a creosote buildup. From the creosote buildup, and they'll have a fire. And if there's any problems within that flue, cracks, missing bricks, what have you, then it gets in the attic, and now you have a pretty raging fire and a neighbor usually sees that because you have no idea inside the house and, wow. and you know that is an interesting point that you bring up that you don't know that it's happening it's usually a neighbor that sees it because too often that you know you move into a new house i know my daughter's getting ready to move into a house in shrewsbury and she has a fireplace and you know that's a very good point that you're bringing up because you can't count on the fact that the landlord has gone and and had that kind of an inspection done that's correct and you know it's, it's always better if you're in the peace of mind if you're going to use the fireplace, because I mean, they are very helpful. They do warm the area. So, but you don't want to warm the neighborhood. Right. You want to be, you don't want to be hot. <laughs> are those most of the kinds of fires that you get called out to fight? Are, are those related to furnace kinds of situations or fireplace kinds of situations? You do have a lot of flu issues um, in the winter. Mm -hmm. There are quite a few. And, and the furnaces just won't operate properly if there's a lot of things stacked around them mm -hmm. it'll you know they're not as efficient because they have to suck in so much air and they need to be cleaned also and they do need to be cleaned that's correct the filters so, things like that that you know and the burners and the burners so yeah. That, yeah, that's that's you know one really important thing another one that we really see a lot of problems with is putting an address that's visible for the firefighters or even the police you know if you're if you're in a dire situation and you need help 
and you don't have an address or you know it's it's very pertinent for us to to have a visible address where do you like where do you as the fire department like to see that above the entrance uh, at the driveway or above the garage okay the right above the garage door um if the garage isn't in the front then wherever there's a light like a you know, on the porch okay where it's it's then illuminated okay that yeah. really helps us yeah I, I can really see that because i know out in rural areas they have fire um I, I, this may not be the right technology correct me if i'm wrong they're like fire tags that are posted uh, along the road so as as the trucks drive by they, they see that and they're reflective they're reflective so, yeah correct. so you know okay this is the place we have to go in now how does your new gps system fit into all of this well, we have different programs, and it'll actually give us the the house, you know. So we kind of cheat on that a little. <laughs> but we, but I know that that is the new technology that it Rock is. Hill has because we've had you on to talk about that. That's correct. You know, and the technology is ever changing, and it's getting better and better for our responses because it it gives us the direct you know location right but people still it. need to take the responsibility like you said and and mark their house correct because you know we could be out on another alarm you know we could be out of the city and if uh, we have a fill-in company exactly you know they know the streets but they don't necessarily know exactly where that house is right so it helps for for other issues and then the police as well right exactly it's, you're you're right so, so how does that work like if you're out on a call you have how many trucks we have two trucks, one's in service at all times, okay. and then we have a reserve. So if we're out on a call, we'll call what we call mutual aid. Mm-hmm. So Glendale, Brentwood, Webster, mm-hmm. you know, Ledoux, our neighbors, mm-hmm. and then they'll fill in for us. And, As you would fill in for them. And we reciprocate. That's correct. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah because I remember that there was a very large house fire last year um, that was in a neighborhood in, in Webster. And I was a man. It was very huge. The whole house just went up in mm-hmm. flames. And thank goodness the family was not at home at the time. But I happened to get there right as it all the action was going on, and there were like municipal Maplewood was there, Shrewsbury was there, Richmond Heights, you know, Brentwood. All of these fire engines had converged. It really kind of made me feel good to see that the municipalities worked together so well like that. Of course, it hated. I hated that it was such a heinous situation. Right. We don't. We have to work together. Um, we can't do it by ourselves. You know, we're all single and dual engine company, you know, firehouses where we just can't do it ourselves. So we have to rely on each other and our partners. And mm-hmm. Now, do you all also handle Glendale? We we uh, assist them. Assist them. They okay. have their own fire department as well. So, but, you know, we all back each other up. And uh, like St. Louis City is one of those big departments. If it's on the border, they're calling county companies in right. to help because they, you know, you can't pull from south st louis to come up here right but uh we also go into the city as well okay yeah i can really see it's all reciprocated because it's such you know fighting a house fire or a building fire is just very taxing and your resources go quickly yeah especially your your personnel right 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 right. it is very taxing i can see why there there is that need to have the more illuminated or very visible Sign for well, the, your house. The, yeah, you don't want them driving by. You know, it's like, yeah, we could have been here another <laughs> we, half an hour right. ago if you had your sign lit up a little bit better. What well, if it's a medical emergency? Time is, you know, your enemy. That's correct. So that's correct. So uh, you mentioned about furnaces. You mentioned about chimneys. You mentioned about the visibility of your number. Um, I know sometimes kids will go home and say, "Hey, mom and dad, do we have a, a plan?" Because in schools they practice fire drills all the time. It's like second nature and i don't think there's been a fire 
that has caused a fatality in a school system for a long, long, long time. I think the last one was in Chicago, and that was maybe, what, 80 years ago or 85 years ago or something like that. So what about home fire escape planning? What, what should people be doing or thinking about in their home about getting out? Just like in schools, you have to have a plan. And that's what's so wonderful with the kids. You know, they go home and tell their parents, and it makes the parents think, okay, well, if we're in this part of the house, how do we get out? And then once we get out, where do we meet? Just like in schools, they do a roll call, Mm -hmm. and they make sure they have every kid. And that's one of the things that we do when we do the fire drills. We'll pull a student, and then we wait to hear, do they have 100% of the students? And if they say 100%, well, obviously we know they're wrong. And it's a test that we do, but the schools are, have gotten so good about knowing where every kid is. You know, we haven't had a problem. Well, so you the know, parents but, need to do the same thing. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, one of the things I'm thinking, the grandparents, too, see, what they need to do is they need to number the kids. Because if they're like my mom, <laughs> they're calling everybody the same name. Hey, Ellie, hey, Mari, hey, 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 you, you over there. <laughs> you need to have, okay, kid number one, here, kid number two, here. <laughs> and, that, and that's very true. I mean, every they just need to know... And then if they have friends over, it's one of those things you got to remember. Oh, there's more than one kid in the house. There could be three, four. So if something would happen, you're responsible for those children in your house. So right. you need to make sure. And we always say, you know, you have a meeting spot like next door in the front yard, across the street, whatever. And that's where you stay until the fire department gets there. And right. And you tell that first arriving officer from the fire department, everyone's out of the house because it changes our mindset especially at two o'clock in the morning we are thinking people are home you know where's the fire how are we going to get the people out rescue is number one it's the number one priority in the fire service is life safety now let's talk a little bit more about that because if when you're in different situations you know i I have some notes in front of me that you know two exits from every room you know a door and a window you know and you know where the doors and the windows are in your house but when there's smoke you get disoriented very quickly, you know, and they say, okay, get down to the floor, you know, and feel your way around. But I don't know how many people, when they go into, uh, like, go to see the dentist or the doctor or to the theater or to the radio station, they're looking for, and I do this now, it's, okay, where's my nearest exit? Because, like, you go on a plane, they say, the nearest exit may be in front of you or behind you. So check it out. But, you know, you go and check, so in case something happens, because when you're least expecting it, that's when, you know, gee, I haven't checked the exit. Now, you know, where is it? That's correct. And, you know, the hotel industry really that's a good ha- has taken yeah. this very seriously. <clears throat> you go into a hotel now and you'll see the exit sign up high and you'll see an exit sign down low. Because that smoke, it's usually not all the way to the floor. So you may have a couple inches where you can see the door jams. And that bottom part of the door, so you know that's a door. But you also see an exit sign now at the end of a hall because it's on the floor. It's at the bottom. You know, it would be great if we could get, you know, things changed where every school has that, every business has that. Because, you know, when the the sign's up high and you get that smoke, that sign's gone. Right, you're not looking up as a matter of fact. Well, even if you would look up, it's gone. You can't see in front of your, the hand in front of your face. So that's why... They always said, you know, crawl because the good air is down low and you can make out a doorway when you're crawling. And those are really very practical examples, but how many people really know it? 
Because when you're in an emergency situation, you know, it's how quickly does your mind process that information? It does. You know, and, and it's, it's embarrassing for me. This is when I first started out in the fire service. Um, I was a volunteer with Ferguson, so I rode with my dad's engine company a lot. And so we had a, a fire in a garage, and there was an apartment above the garage. And so the fire was upstairs. And so I was I was the first one on the nozzle. So we get up to the top of the steps and we're going down the hall. And I think that I'm opening a door, going into a room, and I I'm trying to climb in while well, I got stuck. And so, you know, after the fact, I was under the kitchen sink of this apartment, <laughs> which was it's extremely embarrassing. But everything shrinks down. So you think your mind makes you think, well, that door's smaller now. So it it's all relative, but it's not. You know, mm. and you could see my hand where my arm was going across the door, like the hall, the wall. But it's just one of those things, even as you know, and that was so early in my career. I just didn't I hadn't had that, you know, the experience yet to know that, well, OK, there's multiple doors. That's these are cabinets. Right. But even with you having even that level of experience, the person who is in their home has no experience, yeah. has no experience and and they panic. Sure. And the biggest thing, you know, because that's one of the things when the smoke's banking down, you you do you can raise your hand up a little bit. You can't go very high because there's a lot of heat up high, but you can feel that there's a window, you know, and and that's where you it's so important to get your bearings. Right. And then too, you just made another point. It's important that you can open the window. Correct. You know, because if you think about it, you may have windows in your room in your room, but if you haven't opened them you know, in 30 days, it can be very daunting to get that one, especially the newer, you know, kind of windows that have some plastic stuff and they stick together a little bit, you know, and it's hard to try to get that window open, especially for a senior citizen. Well, one of the things we always tell people, you know, and, and when you have little ones, we always say, keep the bedroom door closed with the kids. And people are always like, well, but I, you know, I won't hear them. Well, that's why they have baby monitors. You want to keep those doors closed because if there is a fire, that smoke will take so much longer to get into that room, but if that door is open, it just billows right in. It just in. goes right in. And it's unbelievable if you can see videos, there's videos out there where there's a house fire where the door was closed and the door's open. And the amount of soot and smoke that got in there, it's amazing how much doesn't get through the door. You know, mm-hmm. you're still going to get some in, but then, you know, if that door's closed and you have a child that's a little older and they know to open the window throw the blanket out and then put the window back down because you don't want the flow of that air because that fire, it pressurizes your house. So it's looking for the path of least resistance. And if the door's open, it's going to just go right to, and if the window's open, it's going to go fast. Mm. So that's why we always say sleep with your bedroom doors closed because if there is a fire, it gives you time. Interesting. It is. These are the kind of things that would make for a great seminar. You know, I mean, because we're talking about things that people really don't think about. No, you you don't think about it. You don't realize it. Until you're in need. And that's why we always have pushed for multiple smoke detectors throughout your house. Because. And then changing the batteries. Well, (laughs) changing the batteries and all the new ones now are 10 year. Right. There's no bad. It's a built in battery. So you can't take the battery out. Right. So those are wonderful, you know, devices to have until they go wrong. I had, <laughs> I well, had one not, in my not house go wrong. Not when you're cooking. Wrong. If you're cooking, 
that that's not going wrong. It's still doing its job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a case where it decided to just kind of go haywire, and I thought, okay, because you know I had my little my little uh, pad up there on the wall, and I'm going to fix it. Yeah, I fixed it all right. And then the next thing you know, my alarm was going off like crazy. The alarm company was calling me like crazy, and I could hear the Webster Groves Fire Department coming over the hill, and I'm trying to say, no, tell them to go back. You know, and so when the guys got there, I was just so embarrassed because it was like, you know, a police station, a, a police car, a fire station, you know, I mean, we had all of this, these lights going on because, of course, it was at night. Right. And of course, the neighbors then coming out. The neighbors. Oh, my gosh. You know what's going on? People coming from across the <laughs> The, the alleyway to check on us and everything. It was just like so. They were all just standing there with their cell phones, right? <laughs> taking movies. That's yeah. right. Oh, it was so embarrassing. But you know what was so great? They went through the house. They checked all of the fire and smoke detectors for us. I guess they figured they had to be able to go back and write up something other than crazy old lady, you know, couldn't handle her alarm system. <laughs> no, <laughs> Ellie we, does it, it again. Yeah, there we go. And we never say that, you know, we never say that. I mean, there are houses that we go to a lot multiple times <laughs> and it's and you always you know and you, you hate to say it but it's it's just poor placement of the smoke detector you know you don't want it right by the kitchen because there are people that yeah or right outside the bathroom door and if you take a hot steamy shower and you open that door that steam rolls out it sets off and if you have a monitored alarm system they all gonna, go off. We're going to get a call. Right. And it, yeah. and it happens very quickly because, we, I, you know, just had that last week, unfortunately. And again, it was a little bit of smoke. And before I could get to the, um, uh, the alarm company to tell them that everything was okay, they had already dispatched the fire department. Well, that's their job. Dispatch first, call second. Yeah, I know. It, it wasn't. <laughs> they were on the case. You know, we've been talking about some planning, escape planning. While 71% of Americans have an escape plan in case of a fire, only 47% of them have practiced it. And that's the worst part. Then they really don't have a plan. Right. (laughs) And and one third of American households who made an estimate thought they would have at least six minutes before a fire in their home became threatening. Well, the time available is often less. And only 8% said their first thought upon hearing a smoke alarm would be to get out. What was their first thought? Well, probably some malfunctioning. uh, What is it? What's causing it? Wow. That it's not a fire. It's something else. My, and so that delay is what can trap people then. Correct. And that in the delay, that fire grows so fast. Fires back when, you know, all of us in this room were young. The stuff that burned in the house was wood, wool products, cottons. Now it's all synthetics, plastics. It's all, you know, petroleum based. So the couch is a big can of gasoline, basically. And once that foam starts breaking down and is burning, it goes so fast you you lose your chance to get out. I'm you sure it probably gives off toxic kinds it gives of absolutely. So I mean, smoke. Our, our our furnishings can actually be the things that could be. That's what burns. Wow. That's what. <laughs> excuse me. That's what's burning in these houses. It's the furnishings. You know, it's usually not. It has to really get going before it gets into the the structure of the house. So it's, if somebody's caught in their bedroom, let's say, because you always hear these things, you know, kind of. Gradually touch the doorknob if the fire's on the other side. You can kind of tell or put a towel at the bottom to make sure the smoke doesn't get through. Are there other kind of little tips like that? Yeah. The first thing is you don't want to ever grab the the doorknob because if you grab it and it's hot, your hand is just going to grab it. It won't let go because it's a natural. So you take the back of your hand and rub it up on the door, the actual door itself. And that heat, if it's hot, your hand will push away from it. It's just that's a natural instinct. So then, you know, don't open the door. Um, and like I said, you want to go to the window 
And if you're in a room and that door's hot, you can't get out, open the window, throw like a sheet or a blanket, and then close the window. Because you want to make sure that that will, because when we pull up, we have to do what we call a 360 where we walk around the house. We'll see that. We'll know somebody's in that room. And that's where we're going to focus. Wow. Okay. See, now that I had never heard. I was good. I was still trying to figure out. I thought I had to climb down the sheet. No. I kept saying, "But wait, <laughs> no, I've already no. closed the window." And- <laughs> no, the, that first arriving, you know, captain basically will walk around the house, and if they see something like that, or they see someone in a window, they direct their crews immediately with a ladder to that window. To that so window. say that. Say that again, Captain. What? So it- your first arriving company gets there. Um, if you're trapped in a bedroom, and you have thrown, you have a window hanging out. Have a, a sheet, excuse me, hanging, or a blanket, out hanging out the window. That company officer is going to see that, and they're going to direct the, those first set of crews right to that window because you can't get out. Because you that, can't get out, right? and it's easier for us to throw a ladder, open that window, and right. get you down the ladder than to go in from inside. That's if, really good information. That was exceptional information. Yeah, I didn't there. know that. As at all. a matter of fact, gang, we're going to have a fire drill here at the station. Just make sure I'm Crease, not here. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're listening. We're listening to uh, Kevin Halloran of the Rock Hill uh, Fire Department. He's chief there. He's uh, been in the fire prevention fighting business for almost twenty-seven years, and has a. It's kind of a, a I would say, a family vocation that he he's does. following in the footsteps. That's exceptional. That is so exciting to hear. Really, that is. That's so we, great. We want to come great. back yeah. and talk about a little bit more specifics related to home fires, and we're going to talk about cooking, which is the leading cause of home fires and home fire injuries. And uh, there, there's some very interesting facts here, folks, that I, I think we, we understand the danger of fire, and we barbecue a lot, you know, get that going, we see that fire. But fire in a house is extremely destructive and can be extremely fatal if you're not careful. So we're going to talk about smoke alarms a little bit and, and maybe some other kinds of things. But cooking is next on the agenda. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to Intune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. We've been talking to Kevin Halloran from the Rock Hill Fire Department. Chief, it's great to have you here. Hey, we're going to talk about some cooking, but I want to give some stats to our listeners. And I mentioned this before we went on break, that cooking's the leading cause of home fires and home fire injuries, and that U.S. fire departments respond to an average of one home fire every 86 seconds. Wow, 86 seconds. Yes, Ranges or cooktops account for the majority, 62% of home cooking fires. Ovens, 13%. More than half of all cooking fire injuries occur when people are trying to fight the fire themselves. Thanksgiving is the peak day for home cooking fires, followed by Christmas Day, Easter, and Christmas. That doesn't make sense. Christmas Day, Easter, and Christmas. It I just mean, shows that it's a double threat on it's Christmas. It's a double threat on Christmas, right. That's right. And you know, when you think about it, we were talking about making sure you know where the windows and exits are. During the holidays, you generally are in, in someone else's home where you may not be familiar with all of the, the different entrances, exits, what's really an exit, where can you really go if you go through that exit. Um, you know, because you, you may think that, especially if you're down on the floor, like you said, you were in the in the underneath the kitchen sink but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for bringing that back yeah i up. just wanted to, 
<laughs> but you know, there's closets along the way. You know, you may open up, think you're going in, going out a door, and you're going into somebody's closet. Um, wow, that makes a big difference. It really does. You know, and it also mentions here, and we talked about this off the air, that frying is the uh, where where is it here? Frying poses the greatest risk of fire. Correct. Yeah. Let's, let's, don't throw. Water on a frying oh my fire. Now, you always want to try and cover it with a lid first or a fire blanket if you have one. What Most about salt? Don't. What about throwing salt, salt on it? Salt, baking Sugar, soda. Baking soda. Okay. Yeah, but you always want, you know, that's why if you're frying in a, a pot, you always want to have the lid that matches that pot. Close by. Close by. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if it gets out of control, you can just put that on there and turn the heat off. Remove it from the heat. That's something that somebody might cover it up. You got to remo- the, yeah. remove it from the heat. Now, what if the fire starts on the burner? If you have the electric stove versus a gas stove. Turn it off. Yep, turn it off. Turn it off. Do you see more fires, and maybe this is uh, not a fair question, do you see more fires with gas ranges or electric ranges, or does it matter? It's it's what they're cooking. Okay. It's what, what are you what are you using? So it's for, when you're frying, it's the oil. Okay. And so it doesn't matter if it's electric or, or gas. And are, are fires usually occurring from ranges, because uh, I know you're going to get into this a little bit more, uh, or stovetops from people uh, leaving things unattended? Yes. Okay. That's that's yeah, usually I, the number one, you know, and, and unfortunately, if you're making something, you want to have everything you want to prepare ready to go. That's why, you know, you go to a major kitchen, and you talk to a chef, they do all that prep work. Right. It's so that they're not pulled away because when you're cooking something, seconds and it burns. You know, the, you know, the old thing, you got to stir it, otherwise it's going to burn. Well, that's true. You have to keep it moving, otherwise it's going to burn. So that's why you don't, you want to have everything ready. And I'd be distracted. Oh, the telephone rings. You run in the other room for oh, just a quick conversation. Yeah, somebody's at the front door. And, you know, and when it comes to electric and gas, like with Thanksgiving, when somebody's going to cook a turkey in an oven, you're cooking it for how many hours? Just hours Lots. and hours. So with a gas stove, you can have CO issues because it's a gas stove and it's just cooking and cooking and cooking. So... You want to make sure you have a vent on, you know, a window cracked open. Like in the old days, my my parents' house, it was an old house. You'd always crack open the window just a little bit so that there would be some air moving. That's right. These are some of the things. Because if there's people out there, I'm sure, who have cooked Thanksgiving dinner and they had a headache. Right. Mm. Well, that headache, you know, now granted it could be from being on your feet all day and dealing with cooking, but it also can be CO. See, all of these little tips that you're bringing up, really, now that you're saying them, sound very um, common sense. They are. <laughs> but you have, I'm yeah, around it all the time, some, right. so it's, you're around it's easy it. for me. Or if you're tired and you've got something on the stove and you sit down and you fall asleep. It's going to burn. I can see how that could happen because you are. You're, or that you just forget that it's on right. low. Right. You know, and, and it, you get into that that family conversation, you know, and everybody's going. And, you and then know. that's when that smoke detector comes in. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. You better believe. And then everybody needs to know how to get out of the house, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. We, we do have Thanksgiving coming up, and there are a couple of quirky no-nos, you know, quirky the clown no-nos, <laughs> that you don't you don't fry that in the, the big uh, uh, peanut oil in the garage or... On you, the deck. On the deck. And... The one thing that people really need to understand is you 
first put water in that fryer to measure how much oil you're going to need. But you never fry a frozen turkey. <laughs> it always has to be you know thought out thought fresh. Out. Yes. Because the second you put that frozen turkey in, it's full of what? Water. water. And it will expand. And then that's when it bubbles over. The oil hits the burner. Now you have a fire. And it can happen in seconds. In an instant. Yeah. Same thing. Now that's something else with the deck. Uh, you don't want, you know, people barbecue on the deck. That's fine. But this is different. This is completely different. So you want to be in the in the grass or in the driveway, right. per se. But if you clean out your fireplace, do not put your coals on the deck, whether it be in a metal can or, God forbid, you put it in a plastic container. It should always be in a metal container. You don't put it on the deck. People say, well, it was out. The fire was out. We cleaned it out. We put it in there. Those coals can stay hot enough to start another fire for a couple days. So put it on a concrete pad. Concrete or gravel or yeah, or yard or something. Right. But just keep it away from flammables. Yeah. And a deck is flammable. Whether anybody believes it or not, they're all flammable. What are some other kind of kitchen tips that you would give people as it relates to preventing uh, so issues. a lot of kids are latchkey kids. We still have kids that come home from school before parents and, and they want to eat a snack, you know, and that's fine. Make sure that they've been properly taught how to use the stove. If you're allowing them to use the stove, how to use the microwave properly. Cause if they're going to make hot chocolate and they reach up the microwaves above the stove, in a lot of cases they are, they're not at counter hot counter height. They pull that cup down and the cup's hot. Well, if they turn it, now they're going to get scolded by the hot water, the hot chocolate. So it's things like that, that the parents, you really need to take the time to show your children how to operate this stuff properly. And that microwave popcorn. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Two seconds too long. And Start at three minutes. Three minutes is usually 3.15. Usually it's perfect. You know. I know it's all. You just don't want to popcorn. I mean, burnt popcorn. Burnt popcorn smell smells terrible. <laughs> it tastes terrible. I gave up popcorn too. Did you? Uh, it's my teeth. Oh, you, you got all kinds of stuff. Like no hair. Got your ears all messed up and no teeth. Yeah, I'm blind too. And you, <laughs> got glasses. <laughs> you know, just falling apart. Just falling apart. Okay, well. So it, it, that's really really important because of this <laughs> this Thanksgiving holiday coming up. That that that's a really big deal. Now, what kind of um, fire extinguishers would you suggest uh, a home have? There's a and a wide variety of sizes and everything. Right. ABC covers everything that you need for home, you know, home use. And um, just like the one that's about, you can get it any hardware store. I want to say it might be like a 13 pound or, you know, it's not very big. It's maybe a 18 inches tall. And there's a, a method to spraying a fire with a fire extinguisher. Absolutely. Also. You know, you have the, the pass where you, you pull the pin, you aim you squeeze the handle slowly. You don't just hammer it. You slowly squeeze it, and then you sweep at the base of the fire. So you don't. If the fire is twenty feet from you, you don't want to start. You got to get close enough to where it's effective. So you do have to get a little bit closer, and then you slowly, you know, squeeze the handle, and then just start sweeping at the base of the fire, and it'll go out. And you know, when you said that, you know, I started. I, my vivid imagination saw me playing. You know. Ellie, the fire chief there, <laughs> that wasn't a pretty sight, but it made me think about the clothes that we wear as well. Cause you said we have to get it close 
and things like polyesters and things like that also can become very flammable. Absolutely. When you're faced with that, and I know you don't have a lot of time to think about changing and going and having a wardrobe change, you know, but is there a way to really kind of protect yourself? Because that, that can become an issue with, you know, polyesters and um, things well, that are why, flammable that you're wearing. Sure. And that's why, you know, you're going to stay at a certain distance away. And and then if, if you're not sure... The best bet is you should always call 911 yeah, or exactly. have somebody else calling 911. Get out of the house. And get out. And then just let us take care of it. Yeah. That makes, that's, that's me. I mean, that's, <laughs> I know. I, you, you, we hate to say that, but that is why you have insurance and you know, your life, whether it's, you can't replace your life. That's right. And then if you're severely burned, the pain that you're going to go through is, it's horrific. Yeah. Now, you know, we were talking about a plan for the family and and kid number one, kid number two, and kid number three. But what about when we have a lot of pets? Pets are the same. You know, so the, pets are very smart and their sense of smell is heightened. So a lot of times they're trying to get out. You know, you just open the door, they're gone. They're they're off and running. Yeah, we're the ones that go back. Oh, my dog is sitting in this. You know, no, your dog is like sitting out on the curb. And, you know, <laughs> and there are times where cats especially will go hide. Mm. And but because it, they're s- stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I, oh, that was not a comment boy. from the Rock Hill Fire <laughs> That's Department. Right. Nor yeah. did it reflect the views. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, our, our cat's smart. He's he, he. But when they go to do that stuff, it's like now you have to go pull them out from underneath the bed or something. And that's and the biggest thing is you tell us how many pets you have, and that are you know you know the dogs running crazy in the backyard. Okay, we're we're good, but we have two cats. Mm-hmm. Tell us. We treat pets, you know, very... A lot of firefighters have have animals. They're passionate, so they're going to search for them. Yeah. We always do a search regardless. Even if you tell us everyone's out of the house, we still search the house. We still do it just because if something happens, we're responsible. So it's our peace of mind. We still go through the whole house and search. But if we know there's an, an animal, we know they like to hide under beds, under chairs, under couches, so we, we look a little extra harder under those places. Have you ever had to go into a home where someone had an exotic pet? <laughs> big snake. Snakes. Yeah, you big know, things like that. Snakes, yeah. And that's... that's, a, that's I know, that's a tough snakes one. Snakes belong everywhere but inside a house. That's the way. You know, I, I look at this. Like if, if Ellie Fire Chief went in there and it was like a python and there was a pet, well, wonder what fried python tastes like <laughs> tastes like chicken tastes <laughs> like chicken hey i'm looking at some stuff on the uh, national fire prevention association website and folks this is pretty good nfpa.org home safety for people with disabilities and when ellie was talking about pets i was also thinking about elderly people right who maybe maybe elderly family uh father mother grandparents in the house or who may not be as mobile or maybe immobile in the house, in a situation of a fire, how, you know, planning for that, what what are some things you suggest with that? Biggest thing is to let their local fire department know that they have issues, that it's harder for them with mobility. So then when the call comes out, we have that address flagged, and so it's in our call notes. And the dispatcher will also advise you that the subject that lives at this address has mobility issues or they're wheelchair bound. You know, So then we know and we know exactly what we're focusing on. So they should call you up and say, hey, my my address is this. This is some of the issues I have. And, and we they should just, do that ahead of the fire. Absolutely. It's, yeah. We pre-plan everything. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the pre-plan things for a person. You know, and, and that's, 
we try to keep people, you know, when we see them at like the open house or we're in the neighborhoods, we do smoke detector drives. We're knocking on doors. Are there any issues? Is there anything we can do to help you? And these are some of the things that the feedback we need so that we can do our job better and more effective and efficiently. That's good information, folks, that, uh, you know, if you do have some kind of uh, family with uh, some needs that you need to let your your fire department know those things so that they are uh, prepared ahead of time and can help serve you uh, in case uh, a situation happens like this. You know, I also I found helpful when... Um when our local fire department had to come and visit my home, that they knew my mother's name. And that was reassuring as a senior citizen, you know, as they walked up the steps, they were calling her name, you know, and that immediately put her on in, at ease. You know, I mean, there was no real issue, but I, you know, I watched her reaction to that um, as a senior citizen. And I thought that that was a very reassuring thing to have someone be able to walk up the steps and call them by name, you know, and uh, their natural response is to respond immediately, you know, to call out immediately. I think that's an important thing too. That's very neat. You know, that the fire department, the police department knows the names of the people in your home. We try, we try our best. And, you know, we're very fortunate with our staff. We have a, a pretty good tenure and so when people see us, they see us in the grocery store. They, yeah, that's right. And so our guys recognize them. They recognize, you know, and it's 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 nice. And that's so very important for things like you know uh, neighborhood policing, neighborhood fire, absolutely firing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know, if there's because if there is problems, and you walk in the door, and you can tell it's a heightened event for someone. It's it's it can be a tragic event, whatever. They can feel good about yes. seeing these friendly faces yeah there, there is their that confidence comfort. yes yeah. and, and being in a smaller community that does help us to have that that feeling of of you know security that the person who's at the fire department the person who's at the police department knows me and and they're there for your best interest that's right and, and that's that is something that we drive home you know you're I, listening to uh, chief kevin halloran of the rock hill fire department chief tell us a little bit about the uh, new firehouse that you're in that's uh, <laughs> excuse me it's uh it's wonderful. It's pretty neat. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, one, you know, some of the guys today, they were we were looking over the engine bay. We have a kind of a mezzanine level, and a lot of the guys like to just hang out there because you can just look out the street. And, and one of the things they, they commented on was it didn't look like the engine room was going to be as big when they were building it, but now that we have the equipment in there and the trucks are in there, they're like, we have so much more space than we could have imagined, and it's it's just a great feeling. We have a, a just a solid building. Um, the city, everyone involved did a really good job and the, the taxpayers passing the bond issue. This is 100% resident owned. And it's so visible, which I liked from before, because there would be times when I would mention, you know, the Rock Hill Police Department, Fire Department, and people would say, well, where is that? Where are they? Yeah, you know, it's like, well, it's down that little street called De Pairs, and then, you know, no, it's called Thornton, and then you got to like, well, we see the fire truck and we see the police cars, but where are <laughs> where they? Where are they? Where do they go? And so I, being right up front, it's wonderful. Yeah, the lights on the – you know, just, I, just, just having wonderful. watched it being built was exciting. I imagine it's yeah. created a, a huge sense of pride for your department and also the police department. It has. You know, it, it's it's just – it's what we needed. Yeah, and the city hall is a great building to yes, go into. Yeah. You know, their chamber, their city council chamber. Um, it was a – when we had the grand opening and we all came to the ribbon cutting and everything, it really was quite an emotional uh, experience because it was like when Mayor Mahan came into – 
That was his promise. It was. You know, that was his promise to the community was to get that facility built. Because I think that if you all had not done that, then you, your services would have, um, where con- would you have gone? They had continued the way they were and they were just lackluster, ineffective, inefficient. It just was really, it was bad. And morale's bad. Yes. And um, the fire department was out for 13 years out of a brick and mortar station. It was, it was tough. And now it's just, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful. Now I, I have a question about fire trucks. Why are some trucks red, some trucks white, some trucks yellow? I imagine there's probably green trucks. Maybe there aren't blue <laughs> sure. trucks. Why? Yeah. How, yeah, I've seen a blue truck. They're, they're all colors. They're, What's the, because most of the time, you know, you, you grow up, it's a red fire truck, you know? And then when I saw Afton's, I was like, what? That's yellow. Yeah. What's, what's wrong with that? It's, it's. Totally personal preference really? of the department. And I think your house is white, isn't white, it? Yeah. Correct. They, yeah. So the original fire truck was red back in the, that was like 41 or 42. It was red. The next trucks after that were white. Um, and then we had one period where we had a lime green truck. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's always been that love of fire trucks. It's like you could pull into a neighborhood anywhere. And if you just stop there for a moment in the fire truck, it would be engulfed with children. They'd, you know, they'd it, want to be all is. over it, you know. And that's it one is. of those few things. I mean, they don't do that when the police department comes. <laughs> don't, <in>. be, <laughs> no. don't be okay. in front of one of them when they're sounding their horn. Oh, no, my. you don't. They're loud. They are very loud. But they were lime green back in the uh, 80s. There was a study that said that was the best visible color, like in, with snow and, snow, and yeah. what have you. But funny enough denver's been white for i don't as long as i can remember yeah yeah they have the snow thing so it's it's you know then they started doing studies on the lighting and the reflective stickers and stuff and so now it's your lighting and stickers that's right the reflectivity the color is whatever it's i imagine in the 60s there was probably some psychedelic (laughs) fire trucks yeah exactly but you know the majority of the country is red yeah but you know one of the things that still amazes me is how when people hear the sirens coming down the street that they still want to run through the intersection to just to beat the light or they just stop or they stop you know and what is it that can be done to educate the community as to exactly what is the safest way the safest thing to do is to pull to the right obviously that's the safest if you have to go through the intersection and it's taking you a little do it safely because we don't blow through intersections we come up you know, and we're going to almost come to a complete stop That's every right. time at an intersection. Whether we have the green light or not, we're still going to. But, you know, it's just you have to do something in a safe manner. Just don't stop in the middle of the lane. Yeah, people seem like they don't know what to do. Either they, they stop and they or they decide, well, you know what? I'm oh, There's a fire truck behind me. I'm just going to keep going at 35 <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> you know? well, they don't get it. We've been listening to uh, Chief Kevin Halloran of the Rock Hill Fire Department. And Chief, you know, because you're here and it's Fire Prevention Month, the end of Fire Prevention Week, I have a story about a fire truck. Okay. This is a New Jersey, or New Jersey fire truck. A Jersey. One dark night in the small town of Garfield, New Jersey. A fire started inside the local sausage factory. In a blink, the building was engulfed in flames. The alarm went out to all the fire departments for miles around. 
When the first volunteer firefighters appeared on the scene, the sausage company president rushed to the fire chief and said, all of our secret sausage recipes are in the vault and in the center of the plant. They have to be saved, so I will donate $50,000 to the fire company that brings them out and delivers them to me. But the roaring flames held the firefighters off. Soon more fire departments had to be called in because the situation became desperate. As the firemen arrived, the president shouted out that the offer to extricate the secret recipes was now $100,000 to the fire department that could save them. Suddenly, up from the road, a lone siren was heard as another fire truck came into sight. It was the fire engine of the nearby Lodi, New Jersey Volunteer Fire Department, composed mainly of Italian firefighters over the age of age 65. To everyone's amusement and amazement, the little rundown fire engine operated by these Italian firefighters passed fire engines parked outside the plant and drove straight into the middle of the inferno. Outside, the other firemen watched in amazement as the Italian old-timers jumped off and began to fight the fire as if they were fighting to save their own lives. Within a short time, the Lodi old timers had extinguished the fire and saved the secret recipes. The Grateful Sausage Company president joyfully announced that for such a superhuman accomplishment, he was raising the reward to $200,000 and walked over to personally thank each of the brave elderly Italian firefighters. A TV news crew rushed in after capturing the event on film. The on-camera reporter asked the Italian fire chief, what are you going to do with all that money? Wella, said Chief Pascal de Lucianavanti, the 70-year-old fire chief, the first thing we're going to do is a fix it the brakes on the older truck. <laughs> I, I should have warned you. Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah, I should have warned you that those stories of, of Arnold's have that one of those endings that... Um, <laughs> that's classic. Yeah, that's classic. Kind of like, his face rings a bell. <laughs> that was a very fun... I told that joke as a matter of fact. <laughs> And everybody that has heard it, oh, we <laughs> just has cracked up because nobody expected the ending. <laughs> yeah. It was like, at the end of our show. You just have to know that that we, Mr. Humor here, Mr. Comedy, <laughs> decides to lighten the, the the load, and he comes up with these crazy, crazy little funnies. So we have to have some fun. You know, what Kevin's been talking about, there's humor injected, but there's a serious issue. When you have a fire at your house or or when people are trying to get out or you're trying to, um, you know, dealing with children or the elderly or it's it's not to play around with that stuff. No. And, and, you know, you have a house fire. It's not like everything's fixed quick. Six months to a year. If you have a significant fire, six months to a year before you're back in your house. And that's even that's you know it, so it's it's a significant life altering event and it's it's scary and if anyone's injured it's even worse. Yeah. yeah. So folks, please take advantage and you know, talk to your families about these um, situations as it relates to getting a plan. If you don't have a plan, maybe if you're if you have chil- uh, children who are school age, may, they may know more than you do. Ask them about what they've been learning at Fire Prevention Week because they could probably give you some tips. Yep, and use the NFPA's website. It is. There's just so much information. It's really, it's, it's a wonderful. really good website. It's a really good Absolutely. website. Well, we're glad that you listened in today, and Kevin, thanks for coming to Intune. We appreciate it very much. Glad As to always, be here. It's a lot of fun having you here. Thank you. You're always, yeah, you're always welcome. We want you to know, folks, uh, that there's a lot going on in our community, and we want you to check out the Facebook page of Radio 63119. You can tune in to the uh, Senate candidate forum debate that was held last night. We want to again thank uh, Ann Lemke, Art of Entertaining, and Denise DeGelden from Rolling Ridge. 
Don't forget, when the Martians invade, there is only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. This is KWRHLP 92.9 FM for Intune, studio manager Chris Verdacy, co-host Ellie Wharton, I'm Arnold Stricker. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, walk worthy and let your light shine. <laughs>